This is Pave It Black. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. And today we're here to talk about the word resilience. Now, some people define resilience as the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness. There are other definitions that talk about adaptation and hardening and and looking at recovery from a, a massive or traumatic event. In the world of pavements, we have to think about resilience as well. There are times when catastrophic events hit communities and they impact our roads and our abilities to connect people with each other. So today I'm interested to hear about some of the preparations that companies make to be able to recover quickly from natural disasters or other types of storms that may have unforeseen impacts and really get to learn a little bit about how businesses in these areas can partner with agencies or their communities to really help them get back online as quickly as possible. So to help us talk about resilience, we've invited Andy DeCrane from Ajax Paving of Florida. Welcome to the podcast, Andy. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? First of all, thanks for having me, Richard. My name is Andy DeCrane. I'm the Vice President of Construction at Ajax Paving. We're a Florida-based contractor specializing in asphalt paving. We have 480 employees, eight asphalt facilities, and four different operational areas. So living and operating a business in Florida, hurricanes are at least something that is a possible threat. So I'd be curious to learn about some of the measures that the business takes to really help better weather these major events like Hurricane Ian and how that really is approached by the business. Well, it's kind of an unfortunate thing, but we're kind of getting more used to seeing these types of storms. This is one of the 12th storm I've been through. Obviously, it's one of the worst ones I've been through. But we have a disaster recovery plan in place prior to the storm. We're not necessarily set up like a military. We're we're not first responders. So it is a lot different once the storm happens. And a lot of times you're just caught off guard on certain things like unable to communicate via telephone, no Wi-Fi, no computers. All these things add up. So you have to have a plan in place. So we sit down prior to hurricane season with the executive team at Ajax, and we walk through the whole process every year. Sometimes it's redundant, but you have to do it. And things like meeting places after the storm, you have to meet and assessing all the employees' needs. So there's kind of a step thing. First of all, you want to take care of yourself and your family. That's number one. Then we're looking around and we're saying, hey, we got to take care of our staff. We have to take care of our employees, our coworkers, our friends. And so that's kind of the order of operations. So what we do at Ajax to kind of help with the families and friends and yourself is once the storm passes, we usually divide into teams because a lot of times there's not contract work happening the day or two after the storm. So we'll divide into some teams and we'll actually go out and help our employees cut down trees, get their houses prepped take care of all their family needs prior to Ajax's needs and our customers' needs because the first few days is mainly first responders. 
so you talked a little bit about having a plan, but having a plan and executing a plan aren't always the same thing. So when you have an idea that this is going to happen, like what are some of the extra steps that you take as a company to ensure that that plan gets executed and you can help your people, you can help your community because you never know what's going to happen in these types of events. There's a bunch of different steps we can take. If you're talking just specifically about our asphalt facilities, obviously we're kind of battening down the hatches. We're strapping everything down. We fill all our silos with aggregate for the weight so the wind don't blow them over. Really when it boils down to the people thing, because you're going to be cut off from communication. So that's the hardest thing to realize is like the next day, you're not going to be able to talk to anybody. So you have to have people you can trust to make it in to execute that plan. That's step one. And then preparing this storm, we ended up buying like 25 generators and putting them in our shop. We had like 30 chainsaws. We got thousand gallons of uh, diesel delivered and we had bulk gasoline delivered to the shop. So you learn from all your mistakes. We've made a lot of mistakes in the past to understand how to prepare for these. Kind of along that line, you mentioned that this is your 12th storm. I'm just kind of curious, maybe what were some of the unforeseen or unexpected impacts when you kind of refer to them as mistakes or I'm thinking it's almost maybe you just didn't picture some of these impacts coming and made you adjust or change on the fly. Yeah, this storm was different in the way of it was so widespread, you know, like uh, the Sanibel Causeway and stuff that got a lot of national news. But we had a lot of emergency work that was interstate too, like several miles inland, like 20, 30, 40, 50 miles inland, all these rivers from the massive rainfall event. So the widespreadness of this storm was unique. And actually, it kind of worked out in our benefit because where they needed us most first was down in Fort Myers area where there was a lot in the disaster was kind of more coastal. So although that was heavy impacted dollar wise, for the taxpayer and the insurance companies down there, there was less employees affected. The ones that did get affected were catastrophic on our end, but we had the resources to be able to jump to the DOT's needs. So let's go into like DOT needs and the Sanibel Causeway. And because a lot of times when these storms hit, they have an impact on the communities because they impact the community's infrastructure, their ability to get goods or move people around. And so what were some of the things that were unforeseen with the storm impacts from, from Ian or maybe some of the others you've been through that communities just weren't prepared for this type of event? Most of the communities in Florida are prepared for a hurricane. It's just a matter of the magnitude. I think this one particularly caught up to people and it's unfortunate human nature that you kind of get complacent. Now the other storm passed and we were all right. And and this one's different. They're all different. The DOT does a fantastic job with getting emergency contracts out early before the storms. So their order operation is they'll have contractors do what they call cut and toss. So it's just a matter of getting the roads open. You're not fixing the roads. You're just cutting branches. You're getting everything out of the way. This allows people to get to where they need to be, emergency response, all that type of stuff. Then they do the emergency road repair contracts, and that's where we come in. This one, we were a little bit behind the eight ball. Actually, the day of the storm, I got a call from the district to bid on a emergency road repair project. 
for the storm. So usually we're, we see that weeks ahead of time, or at least a few days ahead of time, we were able to submit the bid. Fortunately, one of our area managers was in Fort Lauderdale and he was able to submit the bid because I was working on it at noon and I lost power at two o'clock. So, <laughs> so the DOT does a fairly good job of getting those contracts pumped out for the community's needs. Kind of along that vein, I'm I'm curious a little little bit more about how you partner with the affected communities. You kind of touched on some of the things that the agency, like the DOT, is doing in terms of like the quick contracts and that. I'm assuming that your team is really having to respond pretty quickly and provide those bids and get numbers to the agency. I'm just curious if like uh, you have similar systems with like uh, municipalities or other other agencies, and then some of the inner workings of how you're partnering. Yeah, I mean, it's important to have a partnership with them prior to any type of natural disaster, of course, you know, because trust goes a long way. A lot of the municipalities reach out to us. If we can't provide the work, we'll provide direction for them. Some of them were, were reluctant to do anything because it was so bad. You know, they, they've never seen anything like this, like the city of Fort Myers Beach and Lee County. They had a tougher time wrapping their arms around everything. So they they did not do a lot really early on. They did what they had to, and they did a good job with that. But it was kind of like a, a wait and see thing. And the DOT jumped in on some of the, the major, major thoroughfares. So when these types of things happen, it's really important to get these roadways back open quickly. And some of them, like you said, it's it's just cut the branches, toss them out of the way, make it where people can drive on the roads again. But then there are other times where storms like this, they annihilate a road. They they make it where it is undrivable and it requires coming in and quickly, for lack of a better word, reconstructing a piece of infrastructure. So can you talk a little bit about some of the experiences y'all had after Ian with going in and trying to reconnect places quickly through reconstruction more than just a cut and toss. Yeah, like I said earlier, the bridge and Sanibel and that that got a lot of the national news, but there was a lot of destruction inland too. And some of these roads that there's not a lot of east to west roads in Florida in this particular area were cut off completely because of washouts. You know, they washed the road completely out. You, You have to go in there and that's where the partnership comes in with the DOT and the designers. We were able to do a complete re- reconstruct on a bridge abutment with a designer that we hired and had it done within two weeks. So, I mean, that that was a big feat there. You know, the DOT's uh, roadway sections are pretty similar. So a lot of the roadway washouts, we can do more of a typical section with, uh, you know, stabilized subgrade base and asphalt. A lot of asphalt base, which is good for us. We like to pave it black. I was curious uh, what your thoughts were as far as what makes companies in our industry well-suited to help respond to these types of situations. Is it actually the asphalt material? Is it the resources? Is it the people and just the type of work? I'm just kind of curious, what do you think maybe some of the key parameters are that really help the business be a, a partner and a part of the solution and getting everybody back online and things going again? It is really amazing how people come together. I think it is the people. I remember my neighbor saying, man, this place isn't going to be the same for years. I'm like, 
you know, and they they were new to the area. And I, I said, just wait, dude, people, people really want to get back to normal life as fast as possible, you know, and that's why we do what we do the first couple of days with our employees and go and build little, little groups of guys. And it's not always the same crew members. It might be, you might be splitting up crews and going to help our families and take care of the personal needs first. That way they can come back to work and not have to worry about that too. It makes it for a safer work environment too. Cause if I'm at work and I'm thinking about what I have to do at home, you know, I could potentially get injured. So that's another reason why we do it that way. So I, I think it's just amazing how people want to get back to normal as fast as possible. So stuff happens a lot faster than people would believe. So this is your 12th storm. I'm sure industry and the agency are learning a lot as they go through that sometimes I can't do business as normal or business as usual to, to build something that withstands one of these things or allows me to quickly recover. Are, are there any kind of lessons learned that you and the the industry in Florida and the DOT have had to help um, keep infrastructure in, in a better condition as, as they are subjected to these types of events. Oh yeah. I, I think there's a big, big lesson learned on, on, on design wise, uh, you know, and we're in the design build process on a lot of jobs too. And our designers are taking a better look at bridge abutments, you know, the, the splash effect on MSE walls, you know, unfortunately, you can't build a tank out of everything. You, you can't build it up to the 100-year storm. It, it's impossible. So there's some economics that, that are involved in that. But I think that the DOT for sure is going to take away some stuff on design on this on this particular storm. You know, it's unfortunate, but you learn something new all the time. So the takeaway from the conversation today that I had is really just how important the community is and the role that the people really play in the recovery effort and how these storms really can bring people together, have a common goal, really focus in on getting everybody back online, helping each other out, dealing with those challenges that storms bring with them and the community really just overcoming and even surprising themselves in some ways. Yeah. And when I look at this, I look at the resilience of people, but I also look at the resilience of businesses. And one of the things that I think Andy stressed is you got to have a plan. No one wants to go about life thinking about the worst and thinking about massive storms hitting, but when they happen, if you haven't prepared, you're not going to be able to do what you need to do as a business for your community or even for your people. I thought it was admirable what Ajax does, where they they focus on helping their employees and helping their people first, so that then they're ready and they're able to do what they need to do. I think the partnerships that are set up with agencies and the trust that's developed ahead of time goes a long way into helping communities and businesses recover quickly when disaster does strike. Thanks for listening to Pave It Black. Visit asphaltpavement.org slash podcast to find more episodes, suggest a topic or guest, become a sponsor, or learn more about NAPA. Pave It Black is produced and copyrighted by the National Asphalt Pavement Association. Music by Colleague. As always, thanks to the dedicated workforce connecting diverse communities all across America. Keep on paving it black.